Gee, Dave, I'm hot. This who put this gum on the shelf? <laughs> you put the gum. <laughs> Dude, do you want to do you want to see where I picked my nose? It's probably down there. Oh man, I put. Uh, I speaking of that gum, I I put a piece of gum on my mother-in-law's coffee cup one day, like a few months ago. And I just I just do it out of habit, like because I'm I'm always putting it somewhere i used to put it in the fridge and there'd be like half you would put your gum in the fridge yeah or the freezer Dude, gum is like almost free like it doesn't cost anything so oh just man get a new piece not anymore gosh you've seen gum of gum, <laughs> gum inflation oh jesus <laughs> i might pro- i might go out and i might become an activist i might protest if the price of gum goes any higher <laughs> you know what gum i used to like when i was a kid i like two kinds of gum I like Big League Chew. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, Big League Chew. Because and there was all kinds of controversy around that because people thought that kids would start dipping <laughs> because of the Big League Chew, yeah. and which was true in my case. And uh, freshen up. Oh, Do you remember that? I, I really don't. You don't remember that? I don't. So it was like this. It was like this little blob. It was like this little square thing. And it had like jizz inside of it, like a little li- okay, it yeah, had, like, some I'm, liquid. I do, remember and you that. bite into it, and like the jizz comes out, and you're like, "Oh, this is awesome!" <laughs> you remember those candy? They had they also used to have gum cigarettes, candy cigarettes, candy cigarettes. But yeah. they also had these ones that were like they were there was gum, it was bubble gum cigarettes, and they had a white wrapper around them, and they had powdered sugar in them, and you could actually. Puff the gum yeah, cigarette I've and seen it. Po- white powdered sugar would come yeah, out like smoke. I I've mean, seen it. We could pretend you were smoking. Yeah, that gum. was kind of frowned upon. Yeah. What? Are, uh, it worked. Now I'm sitting here trying to think of candy stories. No, I got. So, what is your favorite candy? My whole life is like one big candy story. Do you eat a lot of candy? I I do now. I mean, more now because we got kids. We just have more candy around. Yeah. So, so I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I like sausages and bacon and burgers and i love that like stuff that. yeah but yeah but we always have candy in the house because of the boys it, right can you can you see down here can you, can you see that can you see that box oh yeah what what's mccall it's i love i love those so this is like four years ago three years ago maybe three years ago i wrote in my newsletter that my favorite candy bar of all time was what's mccall it's do you know all these motherfuckers sent me boxes of whatchamacallits. They were they were showing up every day. People, they just so they looked at the address on my email, and they sent me boxes of whatchamacallits. That's great. I mean, I don't even have time to go get a Mother's Day card. Who has <laughs> time to mail you a package of whatchamacallits? So I ate most of them. So that's the only one that's left. And this is a sad story. You, know, you want to know why I'm keeping this box? Why? <laughs> Because the guy that sent it to me killed himself. <laughs> that, that's not funny, but that's sad. Yeah, that's sad. That's, that's that's. I, I. It's a true story. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know him really well. I, I met him a couple times. I worked at Lehman with him, and uh, I did. Like I said, I didn't know him really well. He was a super nice guy, and um, yeah. So, but I do like whatchamacallits. That's my favorite candy bar. Mm-hmm, yeah. I like 100 grands. I don't think I've ever had that. Mm-hmm, real good. Did you ever have the Reggie bar? No. Yeah, I had a Reggie bar when I was a kid. Mm. The Reggie Jackson candy bar. Yeah, I didn't know there was one. You didn't know about that? No. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Didn't have them. No, I like, I like soft. Like, I just ate, ate a bag of those uh, Welch's fruit snacks. You know, those. Uh huh. I like those. I like gummies, gummy bears. Now, when I was a kid, I hated almond joy and mounds. Yeah, I don't like. I didn't those. like the coconut. Yeah. I didn't. Mm. I didn't like it. But now, as an adult, I love those things. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, and I also hated chunky bars because they had like raisins and grass and like sawdust. They had all kind. It was like a plant bar. There was like all kinds of this stuff in it, and I'm like. But I like those too now. Yeah, chunky. I've never had a chunky. I have you noticed this with your kids? Like, see, when I was a kid, I was different. I ate everything. Like, I was not a picky eater. Mm. There was only like one thing that I wouldn't eat, and it was raw tomatoes. But I ate everything. But uh, 
are your kids picky eaters? Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. My wife has to, well, it's more pain in the ass for her, but because she has to make like three different meals, you know, three different plates, fix three different plates because they all eat different things. It's a pain in the ass. So what do they eat? Oh, like, what, what won't they eat? Well, really the only thing Austin likes to eat is like corn dogs, mac and cheese, spaghetti, grilled cheese, you know. That's about it. Chicken finger. Well, he didn't really eat chicken hardly. Um, and then the other, the youngest one, cottage cheese, string cheese, pretty much dairy and and fruit. That's what he eats: dairy and fruit. That's what he, like he doesn't eat vegetables, and he doesn't really eat meat except chicken nuggets. Like he he'll eat chicken nuggets, but that's about it. Austin will eat start. Austin just started eating cheeseburgers with plain nothing on them. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, he's. It's just kids, typical kid stuff. But yeah, I didn't know you weren't real picky though, huh? No, I ate everything. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I, I think I just had a hard time eating vegetables. Like I remember, mom would try to get me to eat Brussels sprouts and stuff like that, and I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stand, I couldn't stand that kind of stuff. Um, my wife has an interesting story about her as a kid. She only ate. She went through a phase for a couple of years where she only ate white food. White food, only white food. <laughs> you know, her mom still curses about it. You know, she's like, "Yeah, I always had to make you know everything. Her her meal had to be different because it had to just be white." So you just think of all the only like rice and pasta, and milk, milk. Yep, only white food. Isn't that weird? Like you should ask a psychologist about that. What what that means? Like, there's any? I did. Any, uh, I, I did go to school with a kid. The only thing that he ate ever. Three meals a day was potato chips. Mm. It's all that he ate. I bet he was skinny. He was. Yeah. He was very sickly. I've known kids, guys like that, were ate weird like that, that were always skinny. And but then, like, they never got fat. Yeah. Like, it pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I do want to talk about my trip to Norwich. Okay. Drum major, scholarship giver. So I went, uh, yeah, I went back to give the scholarship. Um, which is called the Jared Dillian 92 Award. Because that's when you graduate? Yeah. 92. Okay. What, what year you graduate? 97? 96. 96? Yeah. So um, the kid that got it is terrific. Uh, he's going to UConn, major in music education, and he's going to be a band director. Yeah, good for him. That's good. He actually wore a suit. Oh. He was he was like the only guy there that wore a suit. Mm, well, you, Jared Dillian approves. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you talk about guys come in for interviews and they're not wearing a suit, and you're like, "Get out of here! You're not wearing a suit." <laughs> uh, there was one guy that came in for an interview. He wore a black cardigan sweater with a black shirt and black tie and black pants. <laughs> was he? Thought this was an undertaker? He's going to be an undertaker or what? <laughs> so the funny thing is, is that, uh, so, you know, he had this interview and I didn't hire him. And then like two years later, I had him in one of my classes because mm. uh, he was getting an MBA and uh, I had him in my class and he's like, Mr. Dillian, I think we met before. And I'm like, hopefully not at the Masters. And uh, <laughs> you're talking about the golf tournament, right? <laughs> So uh, he says, yeah, I, I had an interview with you. I'm like, oh, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so. Was it, did, you, did, you, did you tell him why? Why he didn't get the job? Uh, I basically told him that he didn't really have enough maturity. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up getting a B in the class. He had an A, and then he, he kind of fell off towards the end. He got a B. Mm. So. Remember when I tried to take your class? That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, you were only there for like two classes. Yeah. It was hard. I couldn't keep up. Was it hard? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was hard. Well, it wasn't it a Maymester or it was a, a summer? Maymester, yeah. Yeah, it was like I couldn't uh I could I didn't have time to do all the reading. So I I came the first time I came and then you and then you assigned all the reading and then the next week I came like I didn't have the reading done. I felt like a piece of shit. I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't do your class. Just, well, I couldn't do the reading. I mean, honestly, like, 
it would have been okay if he just came and listened. I know, I know. I wanted to participate. I mean, I wanted to, you know, I was I was auditing the class, so you know, I wasn't right. Yeah, you could have just showed up and listened. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. I'll do that next time. All right. Are you gonna teach that class again? Well, I don't know what class I'm gonna teach again. Um, I don't know if it's. I mean, I know what class I want to teach. I gotta. I, I gotta talk to him about it. So. Okay. You because you might teach writing now, right? Writing or also yes. And finance. Yeah. Cool. So what else did you? I mean, you, you also. So you gave out your scholarship. What else? Uh, so I taught. Uh, I don't know about taught, but I kind of coached. Um, it was the leaders of the band. So it was the drum majors and the section leaders. So there was like 15 kids and I coached them on leadership and conducting and showmanship and stuff like that. Basically teaching them how to dr- be drum majors mm-hmm. and the conducting thing. Like you've never seen me conduct before. So. I'd like to see a video. Is there I any videos of that? I probably have like a VHS tape. Cause somewhere. I've never heard of a, of a drum major being a showman. Like what I read your part yeah. our letter the other day. It was fascinating like i would have loved to have seen because you know my amanda was a drum major yeah i bo- i don't think she was a showman <laughs> <laughs> she might have been though i don't know dude i used to get the crowd fired up i used to get the crowd fired up that's i really did that's in, that's, that's that's incredible um you know so here's here's really what it is so if you're like what's the purpose of a conductor right I mean, obviously to keep time, but if the only purpose of a conductor is just to keep time, then just take a metronome and stick a mic next to it, and the the machine is going to do a better job than a person. Yeah. So it's so why do you need a person? Well, you need a person there to interpret the music. Yeah. And and really tell the audience what they should be feeling with the music. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you have a drum major and they're just like mechanically conducting and just keeping time, then they're falling far short of what they could be doing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it make. I mean, I've seen, you know, conductors of a symphony and stuff and some, they, they can be really flamboyant and they're, yeah. I got a lot of times they got long hair and they're, it's flying around and they're really getting into it. So conducting an orchestra is pretty different than conducting a marching band, but it's the same idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not facing them, you're, your back's to them? No, no. Oh, you're facing them? Yeah. Okay, all right. But just when you're marching, though, you're, you're marching ahead of them? No, yeah. actually, I, I would, if, if we're doing a parade... Oh, you're, are you on a ladder, kind of facing them? Is that, that yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense now. Because I remember my, my brother's wife, too, was also a drum major in high school. Yeah, I, remember, I remember watching her. Interesting. We both married drum majors. That's I never knew that. Oh yeah, our we me and my brother kind of married the same woman, very similar. Both both were the valedictorians, 4.0s, super Well, and they kind of married the same man. They did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's interesting. we joke about that a lot. Yeah, we married we kind of married our opposites. Which... I got I got to tell you, the older I get, the more generous I get with not just with money, but also with time. Mm. Like, you know, doing the thing with the kids kind of, I kind of got to thinking like, I don't know why I haven't done this yet. I mean, just in, with regard to the drum major, you know, when I was in school, like as drum major, I won every single award, like for best drum major, won every single one. I was getting scores in the 90s when everyone else was getting scores in the 70s. I got a score of 99 one time. Like it was. We're talking about state competition. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. So I'm like, I have all this, I have all this knowledge. Why, why did I wait until age 48 to try to give it back? You know? And so it really, it like, it really got me wanting to do more, like in all areas of my life. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's, I mean, Usually, people do more stuff like that too when they're have are financially able and can take the time and that kind of stuff. So, the richer you get, the more generous you get, which is good. Well, that isn't <laughs> that isn't true with a lot of people, right? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, some people just get more, more. Uh, they stay 
just workaholics, I guess. They want to just keep working all the time. But, yeah. I used to I used to But you have a conscience. Uh, <laughs> uh no I don't. <laughs> of course you yeah, sure you do. Sure yeah. you do. So I I used to do this bit on the radio talking about charitable giving. And the stuff I was saying on the radio two years ago was all wrong. Like everything I said was wrong. Okay. So what I was saying was you should donate less or not donate at all until you get to retirement, at which point you should donate everything. And the reason why I said that was if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, you're working, you're making money, and you're investing, and that invest, those investments are compounding over time. So if you let your investments compound and grow, you will be actually you will actually be able to give away more money later if you wait. Mm-hmm. So just from a purely mathematical standpoint, like I think that's the right approach. But the reality, but the reality is, is that there are causes that need your help now. And also, if you think about this from a financial standpoint, like let's say I'm donating to the cat shelter, okay. So if I donate money to the cat shelter, the rate of return on that money is higher than what I would get in the market, right? If I'm going to get 8% a year in the market, if I give that money to the cat shelter, it's not like an actual return, but in terms of like a psychic return, sure, it's actually much higher. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I mean you know this. It's always whenever you're doing something selflessly or helping someone or doing something just out of because you're trying to really help somebody yeah you you feel really good like it makes you feel really good so and there's something to that yeah there's definitely some benefit to it so anyway um how do you donate your money or time Mm. uncomfortable question (laughs) i mean if if I gotta think really hard about it, then it's you know there's that all my time is just maintaining the house and trying to make a living and trying to keep the kids. You ever think about coaching football around here? Um, oh, I did when I moved here, but well, out in Hartsville, right? Yeah, and then I, yeah, um, maybe when the when our kids get a little older, if they get involved, I. I'll probably get involved in whatever they do. So if they yeah. if they if they play T ball or he plays T ball or gets into, I'll 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 probably volunteer yeah. to help that. So and uh, and just to make sure the coach isn't a dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> so what'll happen is I'll end up probably getting involved and then I'll end up coaching again and, and doing doing that again. So, but yeah, I mean, once I got out of teaching and coaching and then. You know, I went into real estate, then it became, you know, then it was just all about making money then. You know, there wasn't a lot of, I mean, sometimes our real estate office would do, like, things out of, you know, we would do, you know, we would work at the soup kitchen, or we'd do this Thanksgiving, or this Christmas, uh, like, this past Christmas, we worked at a, the, the, this group in Myrtle Beach, gives out meals to, for people on Christmas, and, uh. Anyways, we helped prepare the meals, and, you know, it was hard work, but, like, we do that stuff to, to promote the business. Like, it's not, I mean, so it it's helps. Not, it's not genuinely altruistic. Not genuinely. I always feel like, you know, if they're putting their business, if they're putting their brand on it and putting it on Facebook and telling everybody and taking yeah. pictures of what you're doing, then I always, I don't really, I mean, yeah, it's helping, but it's also, you're, like, trying to show everybody, you know, how great you are. But. Someone told me one time, hardest thing in the world to do hardest thing in the world to do is do something good and then don't tell anyone that is hard to do yeah don't tell anyone take yeah. it to your grave you sure. can't you can't even tell anyone 20 years later you can't tell anyone i know it's hard to do but yeah that's they say that's that's the that's that's the spiritual rule right there if you if you do a spiritual act you're not supposed to tell anybody so that's two spiritual acts in one day they say Doing the act and then not telling anybody yep. is, are the two acts. So it's hard to do, but so I do it every day, I guess, but you would never know. I could be lying because I'm not telling you. <laughs> That's true. You could. You, this could just all be misdirection because you did something good and you're yeah, not telling me. That's right. I would never know. I'm, I'm 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't donate much of anything until 2020, because mm-hmm. I was because I had this framework where I was like, you know, I should invest my money now and I'll donate later. So mm-hmm. I I would donate a couple thousand bucks a year, like. Mm-hmm. CTY, my high school, maybe, you know, University of San Francisco, whatever. I donate a couple thousand bucks a year. And then in 2020, like, it went, the pandemic happened. And here's what happened. Pandemic happened, and I made a shitload of money. Because the markets went nuts. Everybody wanted to buy newsletters. My business, like, skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's when I was like, I really felt like giving it away, you know. Yeah, you, I I should I should ask you for some, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, no, I mean the the thing with the scholarship is I wanted to do something that would outlive me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I'll one of these days I'll be gone, and that scholarship will still be there, puking out money. You know. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's that's what it's about. That's pretty cool. Yep. When was the last time you went back to your hometown? You were in Illinois recently. Did you go to your hometown? Um, I always kind of drive through there sometimes and just check on the place, see how it's doing. You know, I had this experience going back to my hometown. I don't know if it's the same way with you, but like, let's pretend you were like in 10th grade and you went back to your elementary school for some reason and it's everything is tiny. Like, all the desks are really small, the chairs are really small, and you're like, I can't believe I was here. Like, everything seems so small. Mm-hmm. Whenever I go back to Norwich, that's what it feels like. Mm. It's I feels like I feels like I'm in, like, a fourth-grade classroom. Yeah. You know? Even the high school, I, when I have been back, feels small. It feels a lot smaller than it did when I was there. Yeah. But I went to a small school, like my elementary, you know, I, I, lived, I grew up in a town of 900 people, so they were, like, 20 kids in my class and you know we all knew we all knew each other and knew our families and everything but the school i went to just is gone now they tore it down it was a hundred year old building well it was built in the yeah late 1800s it's gone the other thing about new england new england is small connecticut is small yeah like you can drive from one side of the state to the other in like two and a half hours Mm -hmm. like there's like anything is drivable in Connecticut. So here's the funny thing. So Norwich, it's in the southeastern part of the state. I grew up 20 minutes from the Rhode Island border. You know how many times I went to Rhode Island in like 12 years? Like five. Hmm. Like I, like going to the mall, there was, there was this thing called the Crystal Mall, which is in Waterford. It's 20 minutes away. It was like a big deal to drive 20 minutes to the mall. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't. It's not like I grew up in, you know, in the in the boonies. I mean, it was a small town, but we were only 15 minutes from the University of Illinois. You know, big Big Ten school. So there was there was a whole another world kind of in that. You know, real close by. Pretty much everyone in that town I lived in commuted to work in Champaign Urbana, or they were farmers. You know, that was it. No one worked there. Or, you know, let's, and you um, told me the farmers were the rich people. Yeah, they were like the the aristocrats, you know, where yeah. I grew up. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you own, you know, if you own a thousand acres, that you know, I think I think it's around eight to ten thousand dollars an acre. I mean, what's the what's it's ten it's, million it's bucks? A million, it's a million bucks. Yeah. Well. Oh, did you say ten thousand? Ten thousand. Oh, so it's ten million bucks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so you like that's that's a that's a sizable family asset. And there's, but so, there's there's a lot of people around here like that. There's still people owning who own land and are selling them oh, yeah. off. And yeah, I mean, you know, and people don't understand the power of that is like because a lot of these farmers and or their kids, like I know a lot of these kids, the farmers, they a lot of them start businesses. You know, they have big, they they have big trucking companies or big construction companies, and they, to have that to have access to that kind of capital, you know, at a young age or or even they go to college. It it's 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 big. You know, it gives their it gives them a good head start. You know. So yeah, they have a lot of advantages to being a farmer. If you own the land, now I know farmers who who didn't own the land, they leased everything. You know, they leased that. You know, they were tenant farmers essentially, 
and they made decent money. But then, if you have a couple bad years, you know they, and then, then you don't you don't own anything. You know you, you're you know when you there's nothing to really pass down to your kids, or there's no wealth mm-hmm. handed down. You know you have to be real good with money. So those and those kind of farmers have to have jobs. Like they farm, and then they, like I know you know my buddy's dad was a bus mechanic. He had a, he was a farmer, and then. Uh, in the evenings, he'd work second shift, you know, working on the city buses, you know, that type of thing. So just a different, different life. And then the big landowners, well, they can they can just farm, you know, and they they get they're huge, they get big and fat. <laughs> <laughs> they have they have all kinds of toys. I mean, it's like my uh, you know my niece married married into a, a big farm family. They have you name it. I mean, they, they got new trucks, new snowmobiles campers i mean they got and everything's in this giant sheds like everything is kept real nice it's like they got probably a couple million bucks just in toys toys yeah and equipment no it's it's crazy dude land is land is very powerful yeah i mean we've talked about this because you bought some land and flipped some land and stuff like that but you know we even talked about this like what if you just held on to the land yeah, yeah, it'd be if you can, you know, if you can, you know, you gotta be able to. If you don't need the money, it can afford to sit on an asset like that. Yeah, it's definitely good to hold it for sure. Bless you. You know, my um, uh, the land that I bought, holy cow, that was the most unbelievable deal of all time. <laughs> Still thinking about that. Yeah, 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 you got a good deal on that. So what's going on uh, in the real estate world? Because I'm sure everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to know, is the real estate market topping? Is it slowing down? Is it still hot? What's going on? I mean, everybody I talk to says it hasn't slowed down here. Um, but but everybody says it's that it's it's going to. So it, well, based on what? Um, just interest rates. Um, you know, I've heard people say... Sixty percent of your buyers can't that could buy two months ago or can't afford to buy now. Like they, they're not because you know most people are buying. They're putting three percent down, zero percent down. You know, no money down, five percent down, and so if interest rates go up and you know, and that knocks, that makes that payment bigger, then the for now they're not gonna be able to afford to buy. Until the price of the house. Yeah, I understand. I understand how that so, works. Yeah. yeah, but anyways, that's that's what's going on. But I mean, I don't know. I could, I could be. The problem is, I just I'm so in the in the my own stuff now. I don't really. Well, the thing about the interest rates is, and I you know I know some things about interest rates, but there's five percent interest rates are still not high. No, it's like not. relative to where they were in history. Like it's still a pretty good deal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think people just panic. You know, they're just panicking. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I it's. I mean, everybody says that rising rates are going to slow down the housing market, and you know, mortgage rates went up to like five point two percent like a month or two ago, and I'm still not seeing any signs of a slowdown. Yeah. Well, I know in '08 when they talk about '08, but '08 in here wasn't '08. '08 here was '09. It took a year here. Yeah, because it. Oh, in ten too. Yeah, it, because people that are people have planned to move here, and you know, and things take months for, for these yeah. kinds of things to happen. So, so people, so maybe there's a slowdown, but it's a year from now or six could months be. from now. Or yeah, something. yeah, exactly. As soon as the people up north, what you need to know is is our houses selling in in upstate New York, Pennsylvania, you know, West, you know, those places. If if it slows down there. They can't sell their homes then. Have you ever been to upstate New York? Mm, not really. It's terrible. <laughs> like, I really, like, out of all the places in the country I could possibly live, that would be last. Yeah. It's last. Because first of all, like, New York, I mean, if you think about New York, like, all these reg- laws and regulations that are passed in New York, like, the only economy that's strong enough to withstand them is New York City. Mm-hmm. And upstate New York has to function under the same laws and regulations, and the economy isn't strong enough, and it's 
It, it's just so economically depressed. Yeah. And the weather is terrible. Like Syracuse, Syracuse, New York, is the cloudiest city in the country. Mm. Has the most days with clouds, than even more than Seattle or Minnesota or any place. It's the cloudiest city in the country. Mm. Have you heard of Sydney, Sydney, New York? No. Uh, well, my 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 business partner Larry, he's he bought a place. He was gonna buy a place up there. He he did buy some land up there with his brothers, but he was gonna buy a house up there to you know to fix up, and because he wanted to work there over the summer, like a three thousand square foot house for thirty thousand dollars. Like he he had a contract on it. The deal ended up falling through, and he didn't get it. But anyways, like I looked it up, like it was. It's a nice house. I mean, it was. It needed a lot of work. It's an old house, but thirty thousand dollars. So, I looked, and I started looking at the, the town, and you're right. The town was a dump. <laughs> <laughs> a so. lot of upstate New York is yeah. like that. It really is. Yeah. yeah, it's depressing. Actually, I spent some time there when I was in college, because I don't know if I ever told you this, but my wife and I, we would have, and we we were like, we. We got engaged in 1995, so there was a couple summers. We we basically we had three weeks, and we just got in the car and we drove in a random direction. We're just like, and this was before Google Maps, so we just had like a road atlas, mm-hmm. and we're like, we're just driving. So one summer we drove up to like Northwest Pennsylvania near Erie, and then we went across the New York border and we went to like the lake in Oswego, and then we drove all the way across the Adirondacks. Um, so I got to see a lot of upstate New York. Mm-hmm. I bet it's pretty. It is. I've heard it's, I've heard it's really it nice. It really is, yeah. yeah. And the, it doesn't get that hot in the summer. Like No, it does not. It's going to be 95 on Thursday. Here? Yeah. Oh, no. I'm Are not, you serious? Yeah, yeah. Oh. In Conway, that's it's about... Not it'll be eight, 89, 90 here, but ninety five. Yeah. yeah, I'm not ready for this. I hate it. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst time of the year. It really is, and it's not June yet. So I, I, I always just say four months. I could get through four months. June, July, yep. August, September. By the time Austin's birthday is October fourth, the weather's nice. We're outside, but yeah, it's just. And I, I refuse to wear shorts. I won't wear shorts. I never noticed that. Yeah, you don't like car- you should wear cargo shorts, man. Everybody's wearing them. <laughs> Look at these; they're so comfortable. And then they make great work shorts because then I don't have to wear a tool belt. I can just put all my screws and tape measures and all this stuff in my pockets. It's like my tool belt attached to my shorts. <laughs> Dude, you are a piece of work. What do you know about donating sperm? Um, it looks fun. <laughs> I've, never, I've never done it. <laughs> I don't think anybody'd want it, you know. Like it's well, I mean, but I got a good like my kids are great. So if they saw the product, the work that's there, the work that yeah. I'm capable of, they I think speaks, they'd want it. Speaks for itself. Yeah. Um. So there was a there was a guy I went to high school with. His name was Mike. And he was like six foot six, and he was Italian, so black hair. He basically, I'm trying to, he looked like a pro wrestler. Yeah. He was big, and, and he played football, and he had like this long black hair. He kind of looked like a combination of like a pro wrestler and like a heavy metal band, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Big, scary guy. So he went to college in Keene, New Hampshire, and I guess there was like a sperm bank nearby. And he used to call it baiting for bucks. And he would go there like as often as they would let him, like every week or every other week. Yeah. And he would donate sperm. And I, I said to my buddies at the time, I'm like, you're going to have all these six foot six scary guys walking around Keene, New Hampshire. Actually, yeah. I don't think he actually I don't think he did it. I think he used to drive to Boston, but he would but they would he would get paid like 75 bucks and he would make yeah. the drive. You know? Yeah. I mean, but. You gotta remember the the woman that takes that sperm most likely is not at the top of the food chain. Well, how, what what kind of comment is that? How do you know that? That's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> uh, Actually, I have a crazy story about donating eggs. 
So my, I got, I, I don't want I, I to, I, I can't say who it is. So I know a woman who was in Berkeley and she was donating eggs. Okay. Because an egg donor can get like 6,000 bucks. It's a huge amount of money. Mm. So she was donating eggs and what was happening was, and keep in mind, this is in Berkeley, California, right? Mm-hmm. These people would go to the egg store, or egg bank, or whatever it is, and they wouldn't take hers hmm. because she was gay. She was a lesbian. Oh, interesting. And which is nuts because it's not hereditary, right? Right? Like it's like if if you know if you're gay, like your kid isn't gay. Like it doesn't work that way, right? Yeah. And second of all, this is California. Yeah, that's fascinating. And people people wouldn't take her eggs. Mm. Is Berkeley more in the northern part of California, isn't it? It's it's right across the bay from San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's a big state. <laughs> so that's a crazy so I so, you know, I have discussions with this with my wife sometimes. I've never donated sperm. Uh, sounds like fun. Mm. But um it's I sometimes I wonder if people would take mine because I'm bipolar. Yeah. Right? Which actually is hereditary. Like, that can be passed along. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I mean, do they ask you all these questions about your... Oh, yeah. you yeah. have to, They ask you a million questions. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I don't... Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I was fascinated by these professional athletes and or college athletes, and they always... They'll talk... You'll be watching the game, they'll talk about their parents, and their parents were always like... You know, the mom played basketball at Baylor and the dad played, you know, college. Like, these kids that are have Division One athlete parents are like, you know, talk about huge. It's a it, it'd be lucky bastards. <laughs> so. Well, the whole, the whole nature versus nurture thing is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I was a kid, my mom had a boyfriend. He's passed away. His name was Miles. And he had two sons. Uh, and the younger one... Um, what they they were both adopted. Mm-hmm. Both the sons were adopted, and the younger one, his uh, biological father was a forest ranger. Okay. He never told the kid that. Never told the kid what his father did. Kid grows up and becomes a forest ranger. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. Really, yeah, that's that's an interesting story. <laughs> <laughs> So I got my nephew's wedding coming up. Okay. In uh, Dayton, Ohio, next month, about a month from now. Just the one that worked for you, or was an intern? I met. He him, did. Right? Yeah. He uh, he worked for me for a summer. Okay. Swimmer, right? Yeah. He well, he doesn't swim anymore, but mm. yeah. As it turns out, I don't think he likes swimming very much. Mm. He was good at it, but he didn't really enjoy it. He likes uh, jujitsu better. Oh. He's really into jujitsu. Has he done that? His whole life, or he just jujitsu, or he just get into it. No, he started like three, four years ago. Interesting. Yeah, cool, yeah. cool. He must listen to Joe Rogan. I don't. That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, obviously, he knows all about Joe Rogan, but yeah, yeah, big jujitsu guy. I would love to do something like that. I'm a little worried about my knee. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd like to have Austin do something like that. They say it's phenomenal for you mentally. Oh, it really is. Yeah, yeah. I did judo when I was a kid, and then I did wrestling in high school. It's it's really, it's really great stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Better for probably, you know. I'm not. We're not gonna let our kids play football. I don't know if I told you. No, that. you never told me that. Yeah, after after all this con- concussion stuff and the head injury stuff, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to play. Brain damage. Plus, there's a bunch of riffraff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean. Well, I wasn't even really talking about that. I was talking about because um, I actually played pee wee football for like a couple of months. Oh yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was eight years old, something like that, and uh, my my mom pulled me out of pee wee football because like all the parents were a bunch of riffraff. Oh yeah, like she's like it's just it's just like low class. Yeah, of course we were riffraff, but I guess. Relative to everybody yeah, else, better class of riffraff. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Amanda's parents didn't let 
let them play softball because of the because of the parents. Like they said, it was it was just too competitive. Like they were the parents were too crazy, like into the you know, put too much pressure on the kids and stuff. So too competitive. So they did a lot of camping in the summers, no softball. I don't know about that. We are all here to experience a little stress. Yeah, sure. This camping can be stressful. <laughs> so, yeah. Man, it, we went. You know, we we went. We were camping when we came and saw you play. Remember that? Um, yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, I like camping. Camping's camping's great. Just not in the middle of the summer. Yeah. Um. That we had our our first night there though. Like was was hell. Like it was terrible because our son, our youngest son is would not go to sleep. He didn't go to bed till one in the morning. He kept us up all night. All night. He was just insane. <laughs> it was it was exhausting. So a lot of people, you know, I've published two books, and a lot of people think if if somebody publishes a book that they're rich. Right, that's a very that's a very common misconception. Like a lot of people, are like, oh wow, that guy's an author; he must be rich. Even Obama said it. Oh really? Yeah, I don't know if you remember this, but when he was like raising taxes, this was back in like two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and it, it was actually in a State of the Union speech, and he's like, "We're going to raise taxes on CEOs and Wall Street hedge funds and authors." What? <laughs> like he actually said that in his speech. And I'm like, dude, Obama, you should know of all. Actually, well, that's not true. Obama made a shitload of money off his books. He actually did. Yeah, he's yeah, he's he's making a lot of money still off his books. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he, we got one on the back of our toilet. <laughs> he made millions off his books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he probably thinks all authors are like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Former, I guess, if you worked in D.C. That's the that's kind of the path. You know, you work in DC and then you write a book about it, make money. But there was I was in the bookstore uh, actually when I was in Connecticut. I went to a bookstore in Mystic and I was looking in the political books. And Bill Barr has a book. Yeah, <laughs> like he was director of the FBI for like no, not the FBI. He was uh, his attorney general. He was attorney general. Yeah. He was attorney general for like less than a year. And he has a book. I'm like, I don't want to read this. Who wants to read this? Who buys this stuff? Yeah, people like I. What I the way I feel about politics is it's like sports. Like people just they pick, they have their favorite team, they root for their team, and it's like you know what I mean. Like that's people that don't necessarily like sports that much, or if they really like sports, they or they like politics, like they like like they like their sports. They just. They just root for. They have their guys. They're they're on their team. They like them. No, nah, it's a pretty good analogy. I yeah. mean, tw- Twitter is like eighty percent politics. Yeah, know? I hate Twitter. <laughs> you think Elon? Wait, th- th- speaking of Twitter, can we? Yeah, I want to know what you think about e- Elon Musk buying Twitter. Well, or if he is going to buy it, it sounds like he's kind of. He's he's basically like, look, I'm not. I'm not an M&A banker. I'm not an M&A attorney. I don't really know how this stuff works. He's basically doing what he's not allowed to do, okay? Somebody who's an, acquiring a company is not allowed to shit all over the company to basically disparage it sure. in order to get the price down. Right. Like, he's not really allowed to do that, and he's getting away with it because he's Elon Musk. Right. Yeah, is that, I mean, that's, he's like, well, I don't know, 90% of these... Twitter's or or bots. Uh, I don't know if it's, this is a good deal. You know, he's I mean, just, he's just trying to get the price. He's trying down. to get, yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, but I mean, but on the other end of that are all the employees and former employees of Twitter who have stock, and they're all gonna they're all gonna get screwed. You know, they, because of the the price of their yeah yeah yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know how that stuff's determined. I mean. How do they come up with forty four billion? I guess they added up all well, the total shares and plus basically it's it's where the stock is trading plus a premium. The premium. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I well, mean I, the one thing I will say about Twitter is that 
even if he gets it at $44 billion, it's still incredibly cheap. It's really, really cheap. And Elon Musk is going to flip it in three to five years for like $400 billion. Like he's he's going to make more money off of Twitter than he is off of Tesla. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know, know this. I was talking to my wife about. I, I was like, I don't understand why everybody everybody's so mad at Elon, or you know, the Democrats don't like Elon Musk. I said he he builds electric cars. He, you know, I mean that that's that seems pretty pretty yeah. green, but yeah. And then she told me that he did not. Found, he did not found that company. He bought that company, and then he he had to sign a you know he made the previous owners sign an agreement that they they have to give him credit or well, he can't say he that, didn't. I mean, l- let me put it this way: I've been looking at Tesla for a long time. I've never heard that story. It's, she sent me an article. It's in the article. Even if it's true, even if it's true, if Tesla had previous owners like like Elon Musk did something with it that they would not have been able to. So. Sure, of course. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. But, but, yeah, I mean, the guy is probably pretty smart. He's not a dipshit. So, I mean, it's not like he's just, he's only gets to do what he does because his dad was rich. But, because a lot of rich, a lot of kids of rich parents turn out to be pieces of shit. So, it doesn't, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, it helps, but. You know, you still got to be smart to do what he's doing. No, no. He's he's incredible. Did you see him on Joe Rogan? He did the three hours on. I just saw. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't listen to that episode. But. <laughs> he smoked weed. Speaking of which, um, actually, this doesn't have anything to do with anything. But uh, you think uh, you think Tom Rice is going to win the primary? And just for just for context for people who are listening, Tom Rice is our congressman here. He's a Republican congressman. He's a bit more moderate. And um, he voted for impeachment against Trump the second time around. Yeah. And boy, were people around here not happy. Oh, yeah. 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 And th- so they're, you know, I don't know if, you, if you've if you been listening to the radio, but they're running ads against him like crazy. Mm-hmm. I've heard that ad where he's just like, he voted the same as AOC. Yep, I know. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. Do you think he's? Do you think he's going to survive? Yeah, I, no, probably not. Probably not. No, right? not here. Yeah. So this is we're in Trump. This is Trump country. <laughs> Myrtle Beach is Trump country. Ori County is Trump. Ori Trump. County, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, the one. I mean, it's. I mean, talk about a difficult position to be in, though. Like, and this is really what politics is all about, and why I don't like politics. But I mean, honestly, like. You know, if I were a congressman, I would probably be Republican. And I'd probably, you know, given the circumstances back on January 6th, I probably would have voted the same way as Tom Rice. Yeah. I probably would have felt the same, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And Tom Rice, I don't know if he wanted his political career to last any longer, but he had to know he's in this district, which is hardcore Trump. And he made that vote anyway. I mean, it was it was suicide. Didn't he get censored by the state Republican? He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. I mean, anybody that did that got in trouble. So, well, did you hear Lindsey Graham just recently? They had a video of him telling a New York Times reporter that he he thinks Joe he thinks Joe Biden is the is the right guy to you know to lead this country, and he. He, you know, kind of brings some sanity back and some normalcy. And, and this was right after the, the January 6th stuff. Mm. So he was, but then he had to, you know, he got caught, you know, someone, whatever, leaked the video or the soundbite. And so he had to backtrack. on. He had, that. He had to explain himself. Yeah. He had to backtrack <laughs> on that. So, yeah. But do you like Tim Scott? Um, How can you not like Tim Scott? The guy, he's a sweetheart of a guy. I, I, the only thing I've ever seen him say was I saw him at a Trump rally in South Carolina on TV, and he got in front of the mic, and he goes, USA, USA. That's all I've ever heard him say. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. He's a, he was a big Trump supporter, I guess. So, But it's interesting. I think it's it'd be interesting to see 
you know, a, a black Republican, you know, run for president. Yeah, I mean, if if DeSantis weren't ahead of him in line, like he would he would be a legitimate contender. He would. Well, I could see him being a vice president or something like he that. He would be an amazing VP pick. Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I could see that. Uh, or a Trump with a DeSantis vice president. What do you think about that? Uh, I don't know. I can't speculate. I think I do think Trump is going to run. And I think if he does run, I think there's a pretty good possibility that DeSantis won't. That'll stay out. I think everybody will stay out. Really? Mm. Yeah, because Trump has this ability to like end people's political careers. Like He just me- makes people look stupid and look bad. And then they just they're done. You know what I mean? So he's a buzzsaw. Like, nobody wants to run into that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, some of those, de- I just remember watching some of those debates, and he basically made Jeb Bush cry. <laughs> called him a loser you know, on stage. <laughs> Your dad was a loser. His dad was a loser. You're all losers. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like, ah. Uh, I mean, Jeb Bush was supposed to be the president. I mean, he was. <laughs> You know, he was kind of heir to the throne, I thought. Did you know he was actually a Lehman Brothers employee? Jeb was? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. No, not many people know this. Um, he was he was working out of Florida, and he was like a political advisor or something like that. But this is after he was governor. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, you could go on the Lehman Brothers intranet and look him up as an employee. His picture would come yeah. up. Yeah. Like he actually worked. It's probably one of those no-show jobs. Kind of a, yeah. You know, for... He took a big donate for political favor or something. Yep. But, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, I think we're done here. We're going to go to walk-ons. Walk-on. Let's do it. Going to go to walk-ons. I'm going to get the Cypress Cobb salad. <laughs> I don't know why that sounds funny. <laughs> why does it sound funny? I don't know. It just did. It reminded me of a of a joke that you always, that you. Said. Oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> not we're not going to do that joke. Okay. I mean this is an explicit podcast, but we just there's you know out of deference to our listeners, we will avoid that joke. Okay. All right. <laughs> this has been the Be Smart Podcast. I'm Jared Dillian. See you next time.